Before we get into today's episode, let me tell you about patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. There, you can listen to episodes two days earlier, as well as get exclusive shows such as So Tell Me, an introspective podcast by my crazy life, hosted by Chalfie, the D&D podcast, an entertainment podcast with Delvin Jr. talking about all things pop culture, On Shuffle, a music podcast hosted by Mike Fowler, and much, much more. So go to patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. That's patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. I want to give a special shout out to Patreon producer Mikey Famine, host of the Ben Podcast and Dig on America. Thank you. This week, my guest on this conversation about gun control is Q. Q is an African-American gun owner who founded a gun club who talks about on this episode the importance of African-Americans having guns, practicing gun safety, and other things like that. He also goes into detail about him founding the gun club and the importance of that. So just listen to the conversation and learn something. It's very interesting and enlightening for everyone. With me on the podcast right now, continuing our conversation about gun control, considering everything, considering what was going on in this country today, and this has been not—it's not a recent thing that's been happening. It's been going on forever. I have my man Q on. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm doing good. So, Q, for those who don't know, let them know a little bit about yourself and what you do and why we have you on today to have the conversation. So thank you for, first of all, giving me on. So um, I am the founder of the 761st Gun Club of, of Illinois. So the 761st Gun Club of Illinois is an affiliate with the National African-American Gun Association, um, which a lot of people say is, is the, the, I don't, the black version of the three-letter word. <laughs> but uh, um, <laughs> but what, we, what we do here is on, a, on uh, when I was involved with the 761st Gun Club, what we did was uh, our our statement, our mission statement was uh, change the perception of uh, black gun owners within the black community. So because we were perpetuated with the media, how the media viewed us uh, as black gun owners, uh, how society viewed us as uh, black gun owners. I mean, my backstory is uh, I grew up in a, a anti-gun home. My father's from Africa. My mom is from Alabama, which was kind of weird like that because she grew up in the civil rights movement. Um, Fast forward, I joined the United States Air Force, uh, did 20 years. During that time in the United States Air Force, I was, uh, I mean, I was involved with firearms. So I'm like dealing with pilots, I'm dealing with air crews. So I'm dealing with nine, nine millimeters, like the Beretta, the Beretta, um, and then I'm dealing with the M4, or some people classify it as the AR, the, the uh, military version, the AR-15 version of it. So um, 
So I started getting a little comfortable with firearms. Um, I mean, I did multiple tours overseas to fight for this country and everything like that. And I come back home and uh, I felt that uh, I was getting tired of our people um, losing, uh, losing their life over foolishness, over, uh, I mean, some might uh, have a uh, mental issue or emotional issues or doesn't, uh, don't have the knowledge of how to handle firearms safely. So, um, so I got a little burnt up, uh, especially after uh, um, uh, 45 got elected. Um, and you saw a lot of the art right, the all right people movement going on, all these white supremacist stuff that was going on at the time, which that didn't motivate the starting this gun club. Um, it was all about that, like I said, the initial statement was about changing the perception of black gun owners within the black community, meaning that we didn't care if anybody outside the community didn't view us whatever they want to view us, but we want to fix our own community and change that that stigma of firearms. So. Uh, we do that by educating our people about uh, how to become a, a responsible gun owner, and that's including locking up the firearms when you're not using it. Um, we also teach them how the laws of the laws of the lands and making sure they don't get in get in jail or go to court or anything for doing something stupid. Uh, we also teach them. We go through uh, exercises. I mean, um, last summer we did uh, carjacking. I mean, we out here in Chicago land area. I'm out in Chicago land area, but I mean, Chicago had a lot of uh, was going through a lot of carjacking stuff. So we went those type of scenarios too and things like that. Um, we also even teach our members how to stop the bleed as well. So uh, if you're gonna put a hold of somebody, you better be able to plug it up too. So um, that's how we how we did our approach with everything like that, so. You touched on a lot of things and I think that's dope that you kinda, you gave me a lot of options to go to. So let me go at the first one first. <laughs> let me go at the first one first. That's because there's something you mentioned earlier. I want that. I want to ask you about what do you think the perception of is of black men in media in terms of having guns and things like that? Because you mentioned it earlier, like you want to change that perception of black people in, in guns in guns in the media specifically. Because so how do you how would you describe the way they paint us in the media when it comes to us having owning guns? I think now now I mean. I mean, like I started this gun club back in December of 2016. Um, and looking back at 20, December of 2016, like we weren't looking good at all with firearms. Like we weren't in, uh, if, if it was a black person or black man with a firearm, it was always attached to the media as something like we did something wrong, like we were game banging or selling dope or whatever. Um, we were never seeing black men in the light, in the, in the positive light with the firearms unless they were law enforcement. And we, you didn't see too many of us, too many of us in law enforcement that, that showed that positive view as well. So, I mean, I mean, brother, I was on, I mean, I remember back in 2016 when I just Googled the image of uh, black gun owners and like look at those images on Google and it was nothing but negative pictures, pictures of black people with firearms and everything. Um, and rappers, that, like rappers yeah. having guns with money well, stacks no, and things it, like that. It wasn't even just about the rappers or anything, which is like uh, our people and everything or what Hollywood was uh, perception of Hollywood put on us and everything like that. So, and the funny thing about now, we're looking at 2022 right now, 2022 right now, you look up, uh, you just Google the word black owners now, um, the image has changed. It's more positive on, on the African-American side with the, the Pixar. I mean, a lot of black women are on, on those on those searches and everything. A lot of black men and responsible don't know what it's supposed to look like. 
So we always have the saying that we're going to change the, the face of a gun owner in, in the United States, and we made it, we made it browner. Okay, let me ask you this, because I think you, you touched on something in terms. How important do you think it is for black people to be knowledgeable about firearms, firearm safety, protecting the community and protecting themselves with these firearms? Because I think that's a thing that a lot of people don't even touch on. They think of, when they think of black people with firearms, they get the stereotype and things like that. But I see, I like that you're trying to change that stereotype. So let's get into that a little bit. So my mama, like I said, my mama's from Alabama. She grew up in the civil rights movement. So she grew up during the times when I mean, I mean, Ruby Bridge. I mean, my mom was a little girl with Ruby Bridge, a safe state where she was going to the school with all the white kids at and all that stuff. So the thing was like in we 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 had a, the black community today or the years ago had a disconnect with our history. And when I found out was that like firearms and firearm safety was essential to black survival in this country. Like, like the it's so, and then, like I always say that Second Amendment is so pro-Black. It's so pro-Black that they have to write laws to prevent us from, <laughs> from owning firearms. So, well, so what got me into that rattle hole was you, you, we read a, uh, it's a book called uh, Negroes with Guns by Robert F. Williams. Um, and this brother is down, uh, down in Louisiana. He was part of the, the, the NAACP. He was a chapter president back in the, in the civil rights movement. Uh, one of his members got raped by a white man and everything that went to court. And, you know, the defense was that this, this system was ugly and his white wife who was sitting right next to him was gorgeous. Why would he go rape this woman with the, with, with he has this? And he actually won. That was the defense and he actually won. He actually That's won nuts. that case. So, so what happened was like, so black people started getting upset and all that stuff. And, and then these white people at the time were getting upset because, um, and they wanted to come in and try to burn down the city and the, the town folks in that well, Robert F. Lynn wasn't having it. So um, he, they started this gun club, which of course the NRA people will claim say, yeah, we're pro black because we had a uh, black gun club, but they, Robert F. William had a gun club called Black Armed Guards back in back in the civil rights movement. Um, he kind of lied to the NRA to let them know they they weren't black and everything, so they they were able to get, start their own chapter and stuff like that. So, um, so what they did, NRA gave them uh, uh, was they gave them the opportunity to buy ammo with them. So they were what they did was they got the ammo, got the firearms, and they uh, patrolled their streets and. And these uh, KKK members, uh, law enforcement, doctors, and lawyers, and all these people on day jobs, were <laughs> coming in, coming in these communities trying to terrorize. And what was happening was they were sending bullets towards those ways, and, and these white supremacists didn't want to get get involved with it, so they turned around and turned turn around and got away with it. Um, IDB Wells, IDB Wells had a had a saying saying that. Uh, a Winchester rifle should be uh, should be displayed in the black in a home. Um, uh, as I mean, a, a Winchester rifle should be in, uh, placed in the black man's home and honored uh, because it's, it's that's a way to defend um, to defend his life and uh, his life and liberties that the that uh, society didn't want to to follow. So, and I, I'm totally kill that uh, paraphrase, but we have a lot of history. I mean, we talking about a Robbie, I mean, Robbie F. Williams, we got Ida B. Wells, who was, I mean, we all know about Ida B. Wells, how she was an anti-lynch uh, person. She talked about all, all the people that got lynched. And she even talked about how the firearm was safe. I mean, the firearm was essential to black survival in this country. So I think that 
um, we have a history. We, we had a history that we've kind of, that our black community kind of broke away from um, when it came down to firearms that it put us, kind of put us back when it comes to our white counterparts. I mean, we had a great relationship with firearms until, until something happened in the, uh, uh, with all these laws to try to, uh, to make sure that we didn't get firearms and, and we're in the situation we're in today. Yeah, well, well, let me ask that. What do you think exactly happened and led to us having, because when you look at Black America today, usually when it comes to firearms, it's, it's a negative connotation, like Black people don't want to have nothing, anything to do with it, except like people like yourself and things like that, and having gun clubs. And like you said, it, had, it, it wasn't always like that. I remember pictures of the Black Panther Party toting their guns loud and proud, letting them know if you cross that line, we will use our legal right to defend ourselves. And you don't really get that nowadays. So what do you think caused that divide between black America and gun culture? Because even when you do get gun culture now, it's more or less like you see the sensationalism of it in terms of like, you know, rap videos and guys holding guns and money stacks. But you don't really get the responsible gun owner like you had back in those days, like you said. So it's it's coming with many fronts. So I honestly believe it's a, a, a political party that got was able to get into the church, and they got into the church, and was telling them that you guys probably need to talk to your 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 members at the church and tell them that these guns are bad that you should not have guns blah blah blah. So you gotta understand the church and the black community was the was the epicenter of everything that was going on in the black community. Black communities back in those days thrived because of the churches and everything. We, I mean, the church was our guiding light. So we, we, I mean, we got our politics, we got our, how we, we got our community service. We got all the upbringings. I mean, that was the, that was the, I mean, you think about that was our city hall. That's where we got things done in the church and everything. And I think the political party group just figured out that, Hey, they know how to get to black folks to the church. And they would start putting that, putting that stuff in the, in our, in our, uh, uh, during the pulpits and was able to turn us away from firearms. I think that's an interesting thing that you you bring up in terms of that because if you look at the two political parties as of as of today, like the Republican Party, they're pro gun, and you have these the far right extremists. They mm-hmm. kind of they kind of tout kind of what you said almost in a little bit in a perverse way, like church and God and guns. <laughs> they they like they like highlight that all the time, like. God put these these guns here for, for us. And as you were saying, like back in the day, black people were, the church was their kind of like their city hall. Mm-hmm. But they, they also knew to like strap up to protect themselves. I don't know where that changed that. Well, what changed was, I mean, it always been against us since the beginning of time. I mean, so we got, I mean, 1619, we came in, I mean, 1609, when the first black folks started coming into the ocean. I mean, came came across, across here with the with the colonizers and everything. I mean, gun control laws have been in the books since slavery days. So, I mean, since, I mean, I mean, slaves were getting themselves free by buying their own freedom and everything. And like the first gun law, gun control law was in Virginia. And I forgot what the what year it was, but it was it was like in the, I think it was like late 1700s. It was the re- most ridiculous thing. And they actually called it out. It's like no black person, no black, no Negroes were allowed to have weapons. I mean, you couldn't even have a, a black person couldn't even have a, back then couldn't even walk with a cane because they considered it as a weapon. So firearms, Knives, uh, billy clubs, or even a cane was considered a, a weapon because they were afraid of uh, retaliation. 
I think they were. These these oppressive folks was uh, was afraid of retaliation. Well, it wasn't retaliation. They were afraid of revolt because in a lot of things that we're not talking about today, though, is that our 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 ancestors revolted uh, against slavery all the time, and and they saw we and uh, these slave masters they saw the violence in these slaves, and they were afraid of that violence. So that's why they they came up with all these laws to make sure that. Uh, that we didn't have the upper head. We didn't go. We didn't go told or be even with them. That that uh, our our white counterparts had the uh, the the in their eyes the equalizer, which was the firearm. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Let me ask you this because I think this is also interesting. Bringing it to today today's time zone, we've had a couple of few years, a little bit more than that. But where we've seen this situation, like the George Floyd situation, you've had all these police shooting black men in these situations where white men are hunting down black men and lynching them. Is today more of a time where black people need to be strapping up and protecting themselves because of these situations? Does it seem like it's getting more rampant? Don't you see these these acts of racism, blatant racism against black people? Do you think it's that's why these type of gun clubs and things like that are necessary? I, I think so. I mean, I think the funny thing about it is I don't think I don't think that the, this country's ass racism was, let's say, 20, 40, 50, 100 years ago. But there are racist. There are some racist people here. And my thing is, even though the numbers still went down, there are still people out here that want to kill me because my skin color triggered them. So. Like for go let's go back to Buffalo, Buffalo, New York. That situation there. I I honestly believe that the. I mean, I mean, and it's. I feel like I'm gonna be going back and forth on this, uh, and I'm not on the fence, but I think that we could have gun control laws, but not disrespect the Second Amendment. So that's what my stance are on this. That was my uh, next question too. I'm glad so, you brought that up. So and I say this because I think that uh, I think the state of New York has their law gun laws are very strict very strict california is very strict like it's, re, it's it's nearly impossible to own a firearm except i mean i know the supreme court is about to make a ruling soon about new york's gun laws uh coming out next, uh, this month sometime this month so um i think that the the state of new york kind of failed those black folks in buffalo because they made it so hard that these people couldn't i mean if they even wanted to to be responsible gun owner or be concealed carry holders for that situation, that the situation to pop off like that. I mean, they, they could, wasn't allowed because the, the laws was so strict in place and all this, it was so restrictive that it, 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 it put our people in a spot they don't need to be in. What I don't like, to like about these gun control laws, these gun control laws are just so quick and everything. Like there is a balance. We can have a balance of gun control laws but it's not going to disrespect. It's not going to disrespect what the, the what the Second Amendment is all about. And what it is meaning that black folks and like these, I mean, these laws they did put into place since the since the sixties. Look at most of these laws. Like for instance, in like Illinois, they got a FOIA card act back that started up back in nineteen sixty eight. So what happened in nineteen sixty eight? April fourth, nineteen sixty eight. Dr. King was assassinated. Right. Remember. So at that time. A lot of people, and then you got the Black Panthers, you had all that's going on at the time. So Black people, the uprising, what we saw in 2020, in the summer of 2020, that was happening in 1968 as well. So what happened in Chicago was there was an uprising here. 
the mayor at the time, Daly, uh, Richard Daly, was calling LBJ, who's the president of the United States at the time, and say, hey, we got to figure out what to do about these non-white folks going out and buying firearms. That's exactly what it said. It's recorded. Non-whites. So, so they after they got this phone call, they decided to start it uh, because all only Chicago had these gun registration cards, which it was stupid. And then what they did was they changed that from Chicago. They made that a Ford car system. So 19, it was like 1968, 1969, they passed a law that for the Ford car act. That act actually hurt black people for owning, uh, getting a card. It hurt because what, what they did was, yeah, you could get a card. You could get a, a Ford card if you don't have all these in your records, right? What was going on during that time? I mean, during that time, you had Nixon that's coming in office and his war on drugs and all that stuff. So they was going out there and arresting our people, our men, for drug charges, Trump up drug charges and everything. You know for a fact what happens if you get a felony, you get out of prison. You get out of prison, two things that you, I mean, it's a lot of things, but two major rights that you cannot have is voting and your second amendment to, to, the, to defend your life. So... I always felt that interesting, by the way. Yeah. That you get all your rights back except those two. Thank you. Thank you. But you think about it, who wrote the rules, though? Like, and the thing is, we always talk about, like, they, they always talk about today, and I'm going on my little sidetrack, and I'm sorry. My thing is, like, they paint black people as a group, as bad people. They always do that little 30% of the population, but 80% of the laws, and you're breaking all the laws. But yeah, we're breaking laws because you guys wrote the rules. <laughs> you the guys don't write in the rules. Yeah. Like, you the guys wrote the laws. You find out, you wrote the laws, what you find undesirable about us, and you write a law against it, and then that's put us in jail. So... Of course, we're going to break all laws because you wrote the rules. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like how you make the dress code that fits you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The same thing like the schools with the hair, this, this crazy crown thing, which I'm loving. They have the crown the crown wall, but like our kids are not going to have white white kids' hair. Like, you know, for like, no, it's not going to happen. So let our kids grow their hair natural. Let them be proud of what they are. And let's, let's keep it moving. But they create the rules. So, of course, we're going to look bad in their eyes because, I mean, my God, I mean, marijuana, like, yeah, <laughs> marijuana is in firearms. Like, I mean, they, I mean, there's a documentary I saw like uh, over the weekend uh, the, on Netflix about uh, uh, grass is greener. And it was talking about the how how uh, we became criminalized. And it had a lot to do with us. It had a lot to do with us and their fear of us infiltrating their, their mainstream media or their or their white women. That was what it was. So wow. So I'm telling you, that's just a caveat that these guys created all the rules and then they they could say anything is a felony because they can't say black folks no more, but they could they could stereotype what a black person does and then create a law against it and make it uh, for a law for it. And then we get caught up and like you said, we lose two of our rights when we get out is voting. I mean, we got other laws. I mean, other rights we lose too. But the two major laws is self-defense, which is Second Amendment, and voting. So you can't I make mean, decisions and you can't defend yourself. I mean, what did what did Frederick Douglass says? I mean, it's three boxes you got to worry about. I mean, care about is the jury box, uh, the voting box, and the and the gun controversy box. This is what Frederick Douglass said. So they took two boxes away from us. It's really a, that's a that's an interesting way to look at things, and I think that makes a lot of sense. 
when you kind of because I, I feel like with this situation, and we're gonna get get into this a little bit before we sign off, but I think it it makes you torn as a person because you see all these mass shootings like the one in Buffalo, the one in the schools and things like that, and you want something to be done about it as a black person because you don't want to see this crime and this violence and these horrible acts. But at the same time, you're torn because you they want to be able dirty. to. Yeah, they, they do us dirty, and they that the laws that are made. So it's it's crazy. It's crazy because you're at. If you are asking for better gun laws, right? As a black person, it feels almost like you're asking them to make laws against us because it's not like they they make laws that cater to us or or even mm-hmm. laws that are fair. Hmm. So it's a so catch I always, I always say you got to be careful what you ask for with the political party. Think about 90, I mean, 94, that crime bill, man. We asked for it because all this stuff is going on and what happened. They say, we gave you what you guys asked for. We took all the criminals out, but they just decimated black families. They yeah. decimated black families with that bill. It gave them a loophole to just arrest black people for anything. Mm-hmm. So Clinton was doing the same thing that Reagan was doing, Bush was doing, and Nixon was doing, just throwing us in jail. So they got the, the, this, I mean, and since the moment we got freed in 1865, uh, uh, man, they've been trying to do everything they can to, to obliterate our existence in this country. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I think it's fascinating when you take a step back and look at everything that's going on in this country. And I think there's a lot of things going on right now it's it makes it difficult to pick a side. Now that's why I want to have this conversation with everybody in terms of the, these gun laws and things like that because I don't know why I stand it. I'm gonna be straight up. I don't know why I stand on it because I I see these horrible acts and I feel like something should be done, but I, but in the same time I don't know what should be done. And I'm the same the same boat with you. I think something needs to be done, but like I I mean I don't trust. I'll be frank. I don't trust the government. Like. And why? And people say why? And I was like, well, look at the history. I mean, what have they done to what have they done to benefit black folks in this country? You can look at the recent history. <laughs> Just what have they done to benefit themselves? Be honest with you, yeah. So the Second Amendment, even though I mean, and I laugh because black people always say, growing up, I was one of those black folks too, growing up, to say, hey, the Second Amendment wasn't written for us. Blah blah blah. Yeah, they founding fathers messed up. <laughs> they messed up. You, you used the word. <laughs> All men are created eagle. If you say all men are created eagle, that means the Second Amendment is just for me too. And the Second Amendment was the greatest equalizer in this country for Black folks. Man, we prosper. We prosper a lot. That's the reason why we have Black. We had a Black Wall Street, the Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, all these uh, Gucci Islands out in Florida. Uh, um, we uh, all these other uh, Harlem, all these great uh, Renaissance uh, Black communities that were thriving. Because they had the guns and they were securing their neighborhoods and they were flourishing off of it. And all of a sudden, what they did, they started taking the guns away. They took the men away, all these communities, and it's, everything just went to. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting take on that, man. I, I it's hard to argue that <laughs> when you look at when you look at the scenarios that we have now, when you look at everything that's happened before and what's happening now, and then you see the situation, like I said, with the violence towards black men and violence towards black women and things like that and you don't see like we had the what was Dylan Roof when he yeah. went and shot up a church like yeah situation Weird. like that 
we are so forgiven as a as a people. We are so forgiving. Like if that's the other way around, no white folks will let us walk in their church like that. I promise yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> I promise yeah. you, it's not gonna happen like that. And we are so so forgiven and everything. We think of like we're sharing. I mean, this dude was setting us up, and like and he, these. I mean, these two mass shootings, the uh, the the Charleston the Charleston shooting, and then Buffalo, New York. Both of those guys, they want a race war between blacks and whites. Yeah. That's and, what their whole genesis of it is. It, and it's terrifying when you look at it. When you look at the everything that's going on and the things that people try to incite and make happen. Mm-hmm. It, it's terrifying as a black person. You don't want to be, you don't want to go out in streets not knowing that it might be your last day for yeah, some senseless act. Uh, no, I mean, and, to, and I always say, I was like, we must have got some superpower. We got some superpower for being black because, I mean, we, us walking in a room to get somebody upset with us because we look different than you. Like, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I'm finding all the history coming out later later now in life. I was like, maybe we're going to find out we got a superpower somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. But, I mean, the thing is, like, um, I'm not the a lot of us in the black in the gun community on the black side are not like the, the we don't do the typical talking points. We don't do the typical pop talking points because majority of us grew up in an anti-gun home and we understand that side of the argument. We understand what those concerns are as well. And we I mean and we we sympathize with them too as well. But what we're telling our people that if you are uh, choosing and choosing to to blindly support gun control and not know what the history, how it hurt us as, as a people, as a community. Like these gun control laws, I'm telling you right now, the gun control laws that got in the books today does not benefit black people, period. Period. Okay. Let, let me ask you one final question. I think this is an important one. The mass shootings and things going on, the school shootings and things going on, what can we do if anything to kind of lower this, not I don't think it's going to ever stop. Be to be honest with you, you're never going to get these type of situations out of the, out of out of here. But what can we do to stop these from happening in in our in our communities or any communities for that matter? Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, I would, like I told my uh, I told people I was like, we got to see what's going on. I mean, have we seen any active shooters in the urban schools? I, I mean, if they, I mean. They might be happening, but you know how the media works. They don't. They don't share that. But I mean, it's it's, it's a it's, different situation. Usually, when you have school shootings in like urban schools, it's more like outside the building. Outside the building, gang. It's not like a mass shooter going inside a school, shooting up the whole school. It's more usually it's like a drive-by shooting or something like that on a particular person or a gang or something like that. But I, I will say this: We are doing this, and like I might get, I'm gonna get whooped up on this one while I'm saying this. But I mean, I don't care. We got too many people dying right now, and I'm done yes. with this. We got too many people dying, so I, I'm cool with uh, raising the limit up to 21. I'm cool with him having a cool, a cool time. I mean, especially buying an AR-15. I have AR-15s. I have three of them. So, well, and I love. I'm it. glad you mentioned that. Let me ask you a yeah. question because because everybody keeps. This keeps becoming a constant com- conversation. So let, let me ask a gun owner so you can clear it up for people. What is an AR-15? Well, so an AR-15 is a semi-automatic uh, rifle. So it, you pull you pull the trigger once, it just shoots one, one round. So 
It looks like a military weapon because, it, it's, I mean, the original version came out to be an M16 and everything like that. But with the federal laws, which is uh, the Gun Act, the Gun Control Act of 1934, which I think was because of Al Capone and the St. Uh, uh, St. Valentine uh, shooting they had in Chicago. St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Yeah. 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 I think that was what that was. And if I remember, I don't whoop me up if I got my dates wrong, folks. Don't get me. I'm, I'm, I'm getting close. So, <laughs> but, uh, um, they they took away class threes, which was automatic. So right now, if, if so, a lot of people feel that this this AR fifteen is a is a fully automatic, which is not is not a fully automatic. There are fully automatically rifles out there, um, but they're not AR fifteens. They're more M sixteens. Those are class threes. So and those things are super super expensive to get. So if I wanted to get an M16 or a fully automatic, first of all, the cheapest I could get one is $12,000, okay? And then I, yeah. And then after I get done with that, after I buy that for $12,000, do you think I get to take that home with me that day? Nope, I don't. So what happens, it stays at the gun range or stays in the, the place, the person who hold it, they got it all locked up and everything. And then I got to pay a, a $200 uh, uh, tax, which is a tax stamp. And send it to the federal government. I had to fill out this application, and they're doing a background check. They are coming to my house. They want to. They come into my house. They're looking at my gun safe. They want to make sure that I'm able to keep this gun secure and everything like that as well. So a lot of people don't understand. Like like a fully automatic. Like they're not. They're not easy to get. Those things are super expensive. Only the privileged get that. And two, like then they got to do a background check and pay this two hundred dollars stamp, and then. It takes them from the moment, if they do it right, the moment they buy that firearm, that firearm, it'll take them a year to get it. After wow. everything, all the, all the red tape. It'll take let about me, a year to get that done. Let me ask this question, because I think you done stumbled on something interesting. Why is the AR-15 seem like to be the rifle of choice for these shootings and things like that? Is I it a price it, thing? Is it an accessibility thing? I think that, to be honest with you, in the tactical way, this firearm is probably the best firearm to do any situation. In black, back in the civil rights movement, the shotgun was the, the, the best firearm in a black home because you could go hunting with that. You could do uh, self-defense with that. Um, you could do whatever you need to do with that firearm. And I think that AR-15 is like you could go uh, uh, self-defense on it. You could go hunting with that. You could even go wherever. It's all above. Whatever situation it is with that AR-15, it's like, it's like a multi-tool. You could do whatever you want to go do with it. So, um, but that, I mean, and it's just a popular firearm because it's like, it's like, um, it's so customizable. It's the easiest gun to customize as well. I mean, AR-15s at the time when I got in the game, they started out about $600. Um, they're probably a little up now so because of the pandemic, all that stuff, but it was like $600. Um, but yeah, these, I mean, these, these guns are not cheap either. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing that the kid at the, at the, uh, uh, they got involved with that. Uh, I think the Buffalo one. Yes. Um, I mean, he spent like $1,500 on two AR-15s, $1,500. That's all. I mean, that's a lot of money. Just, and then he only used one of them going, going in, in the, in the place. So, um, these things are not cheap. So a lot of people saying it's easy accessible and all that stuff. I mean, I, I, I want to know what they define as easy accessible because I know, I mean, you still got to do a federal background check. You still have to, I mean, here in Illinois, they do a cool down period, 72 hour cool down period. 
um, as well, which doesn't make, I mean, I understand why you do that then, but if I'm automatically a gun owner already and I'm buying a new gun, like why do I need to do a 72 hour wait period if I could just set it off right now if I wanted to? So that's my thought process behind that. So, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think that I, I honestly believe that people who are on the pro gun, gun control side, I commend them as well. But I think in order for them to get more progress or get uh, to know, to get back in the middle, understand what the gun laws are, I think they got to get educated what the guns is and is not. So whatever their preference are, like they, and I always tell people, you could be anti-gun all you want. That's fine. I'm cool with it. I respect it. But I think people should learn what a firearm is or isn't and learn how to think the nomenclature and all that stuff works. So we could be on the same field, the same level and have a conversation. When I know from the pro gun side, guys, the moment somebody say, uh, 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 AR-15 means automatic rifle. People's like, no, I'm not going to have this conversation with you no more because you don't even know what AR-15 is, you know, and they just shut them off. So I honestly believe that, I believe that, the like I said before, I think if the pro-gun guys really want to make a dent on, on the gun control side, um, I think they got to really understand what the fire, how the firearm is and how it works and all that stuff and what, and understand how the gun, the pro-gun people view it and how we deal with it. The, the average, the people, the average people, not the screen people, the average people who just deal with it. And I think once they understand that, we could have a good conversation and come up with some solutions. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I think you brought up some interesting points and some good points. I, I like what you've been saying. I, I like that you given people a different perspective on how to look at things, man. Because I think it, in a world of extremes, which I think we live in now, either people are like either you're pro-gun, you're anti-gun, there's the middle ground kind of gets lost in the shuffle there. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm a glad, middle person. I'm yeah, a middle person. <laughs> I'm glad that you kind of brought some levity to that. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right, let them know where to find you. And if anybody wants to have these conversations with you, peaceful ones, of course, or find out more about gun control and gun safety and things like that, especially if you're a black person. Yeah, so uh, I am, I mean, I'm not a leader with the National African American Gun Association. I'm not even uh, with the uh, 761st anymore. Um, no bad will. I'm about to move out of the state pretty soon, so I don't want to start any rumors up. But uh, check out uh, National African American Gun Association. Uh, the website is... Um, and aaga.co and then check out the uh, 761st gun club of illinois just type it up just google us on 761 sd gun club and you will everything will pop up uh follow me on instagram uh uh, uh msgt underscore q that's master sergeant q and uh, and uh we should be good to go from there thank you for coming on brother i uh, thank you appreciate it